The haunted season is upon us. Happy Halloween. This world is a strange one. My favorite time of year is here, and I, as well as several other YouTubers, have put together hours of horror goodness in honor of this ghoulish holiday. Consider it a jigsaw puzzle of sorts. After finishing this video, click onto one of the next videos or puzzle pieces, and just try to survive them all. Before I start, I want to give props to the following amazing people for donating to our website renovation. Brian B, Marshall D, and Jamar G. You guys are absolutely amazing. Now, without further ado, let's get into the Halloween spirit. Number one, Haunted as a Child, submitted by Jennifer D. My name is Jennifer, but most people call me Jenny. I'm a 23-year-old female from a small town in Kentucky. I grew up in a family with three brothers, my mother, and a plethora of stepdads, and my two grandparents whom we visited quite often. As a child, I remember experiencing a lot of paranormal things that I just could not explain. There are a couple of events that I remember as if they happened yesterday. For now, I will stick with the story that happened when me, my mother, and two of my brothers lived in a small trailer. I was about nine years old when these events happened. Back in those days, my mother moved around a lot. My oldest brother lived with my grandparents who never moved, but me and my other two brothers were dragged around from home to home, usually older trailers, and were always changing towns and schools. In this particular trailer, I had the middle room. It was fairly small, but I was used to that, so it wasn't a problem. The problem I had with this room started maybe a few weeks after we had settled in. It was mostly at night after everyone had gone to bed I would be trying to fall asleep and I would hear what sounded like someone whispering. I would be able to hear my mother and brother snoring or breathing heavily in a deep sleep, so I knew that it couldn't be them. A few times I could have sworn that someone whispered my name. It terrified me and I tried telling my mother about it. Naturally, she told me everything was fine and that it was probably a dream or my imagination. The whispering continued to happen and as much as it scared me, I didn't try telling my mother anymore because I knew she would not believe me so I braved through it night after night. Then something else happened. Now this could be an odd coincidence of sorts. I'll let you decide because it's fairly strange now that I'll look back on it. At the foot of my bed, there was a hole in my wall covered by a piece of duct tape. I never bothered it. I only ran my fingers over it to discover that it was covering the hole and left it be. Well, one night I woke up and I felt very scared. It was really dark in the trailer and I was afraid of hearing the whispers again. So I quickly jumped up out of bed and I turned on my light. I sat in my bed for a bit, calming myself down and looking around my room to make sure nothing had been disturbed. That is when I noticed the hole in the wall had been uncovered. I looked at it, inched a little bit closer, discovering the tape that had been on it, resting on the floor. What was strange is that the tape had a few dents and maybe a small hole in it, like something had pushed it out from the other side. Again, this could well be a coincidence. Maybe a mouse pushed it out. But after that night, things started to escalate. The whispers started to die down a bit, but were replaced by other happenings. I would see what looked like a black, shadowy blur race back and forth in front of my doorway. My mom kept a very small light on at that point, so I was able to see it. Once it paused in front of my doorway, just a shadowy mass, before darting off again. I, I could hear my mom snoring and my two brothers deep breathing, so I knew it wasn't their shadows. That and their shadows would have casted themselves on the wall, and they would have had a human shape unlike this. The floors were also very creaky, 
No matter how silently you tried to walk, the shadowy mass never made a noise. A few nights later, I began hearing scratching on my wall. I tried debunking this as best as I could. Maybe it's a mouse again, or maybe my pet turtle I had at the time I'd gotten out of his box. I leaned over to look in his box, and I found him there, sleeping peacefully. Okay, it had to be a mouse then, so I laid back down and I turned on my left side to find that my blanket was moving. It looked as though something was pushing it up from underneath, and it was right at the wall that the scratching was coming from. Fear gripped me as I slowly reached a hand out and swiped the covers away, looking at the small gap between my bed and the wall. I uttered a frightened gasp when I see what appeared to be a shadowy hand pulling back into the darkness. I froze for a moment and I began to cry. I turned on my light again and I stayed there until daylight shined through my window, exhausted. Finally, in the morning, only when the light was up, did I fall asleep. When I did wake up, I remember telling my mother about my experience. I would have as soon as it had happened, but my mother hated being woken up. And just as I thought, she once again said it was a dream or my imagination running wild. I was frustrated. I was scared. I had to continue sleeping in that room. Around Halloween of that year, my mother purchased two skeletons on stands. They were bride and groom skeletons and had buttons on their heads that you press to make them sing. Well, being a child and already scared of spooky things for obvious reasons, I was a bit scared of these skeletons. They were just a bit shorter than I was. And while I did think their singing was funny, they were still pretty creepy to me. It really didn't help matters when my mother decided to store them in my closet once Halloween was over. I guess we just didn't have anywhere else to put them. I objected, but it was no use, so I made sure that my closet was closed tight at all times. Terrified that I would see a grinning skull peeking out at me if there were any cracks. My closet consisted of two sliding doors that were a bit broken, and it was challenging to get them shut all the way and to keep them that way. After the skeletons were put there, I had a few uneventful nights of peaceful sleep. No whispers, no scratching, and no shadowy masses or hands. I began to think that maybe I was just being silly. So one night, while everyone else was watching television in the living room, I decided to be brave and face my fears. I scooped up one of the two puppies we had just gotten and took them to my closet with me. I opened it up, and those two skeletons stood there, the groom in front of the bride, just as I had left them. I poked around at the groom and pressed the button on his head, giggling at his singing. After a few minutes of this and feeling slightly more at ease, I decided to move them so I could have better access to my closet. Well, that's when it happened. It was almost like it was in slow motion, as I suppose a lot of things can seem to be when you're scared. I had stepped back and was about to put my puppy down when I looked up in the groom's skeleton's hand, and I'm not kidding you about this. His hand reached out as if it were trying to grab me. What's more is that his hands, as well as the bride's, were made out of hard plastic that was really thick and could not be bent or posed. But his hands still moved. The fingers bent as they grabbed at me as if trying to close around my arm. I went wide-eyed, and my puppy, who had also witnessed the event, yelped, jumping out of my arms and rushing to the living room as fast as his little legs could carry him. I followed suit right after slamming the sliding doors on my closet shut. I was crying and shaking when my mother asked what had happened. I told her, and I insisted that I did not want to go back to that room. She looked slightly worried, but I could tell she still did not believe me. However, she did finally give in and let me sleep in the living room. I had to have her go get my blanket and pillow out of my room, and for the next few nights, I slept in the recliner. 
I thought about that event over and over. I kept trying to rationalize it, but nothing I thought of would fit. I know I hadn't knocked the arm by accident, as there was a decent gap of space between me and that skeleton when I had stepped back. That and the arm had reached forward, along with the hand making the grabbing motion. That would never have been possible with me simply bumping against it. Not to mention the puppy was just as scared as I was. As a matter of fact, he never went back to my room. I don't blame him. As the nights went on, I began to miss my room. I missed my own TV and my toys that I loved playing with. I finally decided that this was the last straw. Now, my family was fairly religious and we went to church regularly, so I believed in God. I know that not all people do, but this was the only way I knew to handle it myself, seeing as how no one else believed me. Even my grandfather had laughed at me. So I took every Bible I had and I placed them in various parts of my room, under my bed, next to my bed, at the foot of my bed, on my dresser, under my pillow, everywhere. Then I actually shouted at whatever had been scaring me. I told it that this was my room and that I'm not being forced out of it anymore. I was tired of it scaring me and I was done being pushed around. I was quite proud of myself. Then I looked at the wall and saw the hole. I had never liked it, so I took fresh duct tape and I put it over the hole. Then being a Christian, I formed a cross out of duct tape and I taped it on the hole as well and even made a few more around it. It sounds silly to a lot of people, but hey, this is all I knew and it did make me feel better and safer. After that night, I don't recall anything else happening really. I'm still not sure what on earth it was that kept me terrified. Was it a ghost, a demon, maybe even hallucinations? I have no clue. I was never actually harmed, but who knows what could have happened if I let it go on. Maybe the scares would have just continued to escalate, or maybe more bad things could have happened. I've had experiences over the years. I think that maybe those experiences in the trailer were specific to that trailer in that bedroom. Ever since we moved, I haven't had any similar issues. And even those skeletons are in my possession still, amazingly enough. They have never moved again, and they no longer scare me. I hang them in my room for decoration, and I enjoy them now as I still love Halloween. But if I ever have children, I will be sure to listen to them if they ever tell me that anything like that is happening. I would rather be wary and discover that there really isn't anything there than to just ignore it and brush it off as my child's imagination and let them be terrified and have to deal with it on their own. I still deal with a few things like this myself, and I always have a light on at night now, and I have a cat as a companion, so I'm never fully alone. I may have beaten it, but I think I'll always be afraid of it happening again. Number two. The Bloody White House, submitted by Rain. I need to give a little bit of background first because it does play a role in this story. Growing up, I was the kid who was considered the crazy troublemaker as I would sneak out at night and go to the abandoned buildings that had a lot of ghost stories around them. At some of these places, I never experienced more than just sounds and some little forms of appearing and disappearing things. I mean, I was a kid and I was looking for things like that. It's not like I was going into these creepy old buildings expecting to see an ax murderer pop out, just something small, something paranormal. Having been around these buildings a lot over my childhood, I got pretty used to seeing weird things. I remember seeing my first ghost when I was about four years old, though my memory is slightly fuzzy, I guess because I was so young. My grandfather, who had passed, came to visit me and my younger brother in the middle of the night. 
I screamed when he left the room. My mother came jogging in as my scream woke them up, and even my mother admits to hearing her dead father's voice say, good night, dear, through the baby monitors. As she got to my room, there were bloody footprints leading from the center of the hallway to my bedroom, and they stopped at the end of my crib. And this next story starts on a regular Halloween night. I was 15 at the time this happened, so I was feeling too old to trick or treat with the other kids. But my younger siblings needed someone to take them, seeing as they were still pretty young. At the time, my father was at work, and he's a trucker, so he was gone for several weeks at a time. And my mother was too busy studying for school, so I ended up taking them, walking them around house to house. I even ran into a few of my friends that were also walking their siblings. We let them go up to the house in the group as we stopped a bit and talked. We made arrangements to meet up after we were done walking our siblings around to trick-or-treat. 20 minutes later, all the young kids were done with their trick-or-treating, so we all went home and met up at an old bridge, trying to figure out what we can do to entertain ourselves for the rest of the Halloween night. Now, they mentioned this ghost story about this white house in the swamps that wasn't actually too far from us, but I remembered that that was one house I was always told to stay away from as my mother visited it, having the same interest in exploring abandoned places as I did. She has had her own bad experiences there, but that is a story for another time. I was told the story about it all over again by my friend. The house was built back in the day when there were still slaves. A man caught his wife cheating on him with a slave and was pregnant with his child. They were planning on running away together to leave her husband and her other kids behind. Later that night, the man killed his whole family and tortured the slave. That night, he tied the slave up in the slave house and gutted his wife first and then placed a noose around both of their throats, throwing her and her baby over the bell tower, hanging them in that manner. Then he went after his children, killing one in the forest around their house, chopping him up with an axe. He drowned his daughter in the pool in their backyard, then went back to the slave house, showing him what he did to his slave's lover and his child, and then commenced torturing the man to death. Once he finally died from blood loss, the father killed himself in the main room in front of the front door. They were all found a week later as the father had not gone to work in a while, and it was his employee's payday. But as the accountant walked up to the building, seeing his wife's and baby's slowly decaying bodies, buzzards picking at their corpses. The accountant walked up gagging at the sight of them, holding his shirt to his nose, smelling his sweat. But that was much better than the smell around him. He managed to climb the stairs and take long strides to the front door. The smell was stronger than before. He clutched his nose even tighter, so much so that his knuckles turned white. He banged on the door, hard, mentally begging someone to answer so he could escape this horrid smell. He banged three times, pulling his hand up for the fourth time. He hit it once, and it opened to reveal a swarm of flies around the father's body. He looked up, and as a flood of the smell of rotting flesh slammed into him, he vomited and ran away, going towards town, wanting to get away from this horror. That is where the story ended, but I knew better. I knew that the story did not end there. No, it continues into more blood and gore than what she had told them, and for their sakes, I did not correct her. Still though, the blood drained from their faces and they turned pale just from that story. So I didn't want to sicken them any further from the rest of the story. But for you listening, I'll make an exception, because from what I've heard, the man did not kill himself. The townspeople somehow found out about what he had done. Someone had found him bathing in the blood of those he had killed. So they tied him to a pole and burned him at it, just like a witch. No one knew how a man like that, who was so wealthy and famous around town, could have murdered his whole family and his slaves, let alone bathe in their viscera. I seem to have gotten a bit sidetracked, so I'll go back to us on that Halloween night. My friend that was telling the story was visibly shaking. She seemed excited and scared at the time. I could not tell, 
but she then asked them if they had the guts to follow her into the building. We all stood standing on the old bridge, waiting. They eventually all said no in shaky voices that seemed to match in each other's fears, and I stayed silent. Then she laughed and called them all chickens for not having the guts to go into that house. Then she boasted that she was not scared and would go in without them no problems. As soon as she stated that, she instantly regretted it because she knew that they would jump on her statement and dare her to do it. And they did. But there was one rule that none of them wanted to follow and they also didn't want to break it. That rule was that someone else had to go up there with her and by her side the whole time to make sure she did not go back on her dare. It only took a few minutes before they decided I would go, even though I was about to volunteer because I knew what could happen at this house, or at least I thought I did. The two of us headed toward the house, the rest of the group waiting at a safe distance away, but still able to see what was going on. We found the house and we climbed the stairs. My friend was holding my arm the whole time. I could tell she was really scared, but was still going through with it. In my gut, something was screaming, don't go in that house, and we passed several warning signs and no trespassing signs on the way. The house on the outside was all boarded up, only a few windows had slight cracks showing even the door was boarded up, but not enough to keep two curious teens out. We pushed the door open, slipping inside. It was dark, barely any light seeping through the windows and doors. It smelled really musty and a bit like mildew, which is normal in most abandoned places. We turned on our flashlights, remembering that we had brought them with use for this very moment. We walked up the stairs, looking around, analyzing the whole house, looking for something and hoping that we didn't find anything terrifying. We walked around, waiting for something to happen, but not sure exactly what. It was getting closer to 12 at midnight. The dare was only to stay in the house until 12.30. That is when the worst is supposed to happen. So we climbed down the stairs after exploring the whole house, not seeing anything interesting. My friend seemed satisfied, as we had not seen anything spooky during the whole exploration. I think she was feeling a bit better. I have to admit, I was also getting ready to get out of that house. It was almost time and I was excited to be out of the place. When we got down the stairs, I remember it being 11.45. We picked a spot in the light and sat down on the floor. We planned to wait the rest of the time out. She laid her head on my shoulder, getting a bit tired. I was so anxious. The time seemed to pass slower at that point. At 11.59, I stared at the ceiling. Something suddenly felt wrong. I woke up my friend because I felt the temperature drop around me. We stood up straight as the air started to feel thick. My friend grabbed my arm again and held it tight to the point I could feel her cutting off my circulation. Now, get this, the house began to shake, literally shake as if we were caught in an earthquake. After a minute, it stopped. We were terrified right away, to be honest, and the air only got colder. We huddled together to keep ourselves from shaking. We both glanced back and forth around us, afraid that something was coming, and it was. We started hearing voices, dozens upon dozens of voices, men, women, children, all around us. They didn't sound angry or sad or anything like that. They actually sounded happy, as if we were in the middle of a lively party. But slowly, those voices died down, but one singular voice grew louder. This voice was deep, old, and full of hatred. I couldn't make out what it was saying, but it grew louder and louder until, out, out, out. This gravelly voice yelled at us. We shot up and ran for the door as fast as we could. I ran too fast. I ended up tripping over a board, falling hard and weird on my leg, but I quickly picked myself back up and ran as fast as I could, limping all the way. My other friends seemed scared when they saw me limping, and she was crying. They helped me get to the hospital, 
It was a long and agonizing walk, but I didn't want to go confront my mom after this. The doctor asked what had happened. He didn't believe what any of my friends had said, and I did not say a word to them about it. They could only speculate what ghosts we might have seen and stuff like that. They took care of my leg, taking an x-ray and setting me up with a cast and crutches. My mom was called and soon arrived. She took care of the bill and was very irritated and mad the whole way home. She was upset that we had been out so late in a dangerous place and said that I could have died, that I was lucky that my leg was the only thing I broke. It's been about seven years since then. My knee causes me trouble from time to time, aches coming from nowhere, but I push through it. But every time I feel a tinge of pain in that leg, I am reminded of the foolish Halloween night that changed my beliefs entirely. Hearing those voices, it was all too real, and I wasn't alone in that experience. Now I know that something more awaits us after this life, even if some of us are a bit angry when we pass. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Number three, Strange Encounter in the Corn Maze. Submitted by Doll Lightful. Anyone who lives in the Tarrant County, Texas, will be familiar with the famous local pumpkin farm at the corner of Hall Johnson. Come October, it's a source of great joy and fun in our community. Families bring their kids to pick out the perfect pumpkin. Groups of mischievous teens dress up in costumes to have some fun and other things like that. But the main attraction, without a doubt, is the Hall's Pumpkin Farm Corn Maze. They've been growing a new maze each season for years now with great success. 
Naturally, it's more popular to come at night in the spirit of Halloween. Plus, the cover of darkness also helps obscure any damage or holes that could be seen through the cornstalks. My friends and family have attended for many years, but one year in particular stands out to me. I was a middle schooler at the time, and I was attending with my best friend's family. Her mom waited outside as me, my friend, and her older brother entered the maze. My friend and I, being the young and hyper middle school girls we were, had a fantastic time running around and shrieking at any little thing. Her older brother got into the spirit of things and pretended to chase us through the maze. At this time, I got separated from my friend, but I could hear her brother behind me. With a huge grin on my face from the thrill of the chase, I sped down one of the paths. I glanced behind me while running to see if I had lost him. While my head was turned back, I must not have seen where I was going, because what I remembered next was impacting the wall of the corn maze. I should explain that the corn maze's walls weren't just the stalks themselves, but a tough plastic mesh planted in place with metal poles. The owners do this to discourage mischief makers and to keep the maze's routes obvious. It was strange, I felt the impact of the plastic mesh against my arms, my upper torso, and my cheek. Then I was on the other side, in a different part of the maze. It was quiet. No one was there except me. I turned back towards the maze's wall. I must have been running so fast I ripped through the plastic fence, I thought. I squinted in the dark to find that the fence was unchanged and unscathed. There it was, tough and unbroken. I even tested it with my hand, but it stood there still strong, defending the borders from hazards like me. But I could still fill and make out the red indentation marks on my skin in the same pattern of that fence. I definitely hit it. I know for a fact that I had collided with it, but how was I on the other side now? How was I here? I stood there for a while trying to make sense of how I seemingly transported through the barrier, but I couldn't find an answer. And honestly, I was a little bit spooked. I was still intrigued by my strange experience and I began working my way through the maze to find my friends. I was very eager to be with company again and I was ready to search for the exit to get out of there. Number 4. The Witch Broom Submitted by Natasha's 23 When I was about 4 or 5 years old, my grandma used to have an antique shop, which my mother helped run. It was a cold and dark September day when my mom, grandma, sister, and myself went to a yard sale to help my grandma find new stuff for her shop. Among the items, my mom found something she thought she could use for when we could decorate her house for Halloween. It was a small broom decorated with Halloween colors, black and orange. It also had the creepiest ornament in the middle of the handle. It depicted an ugly old witch with a witch's hat on it. I remember I was so scared to even go near it, so you can imagine how afraid I was when my mom bought it. On another day, Sunday to be exact, my grandma asked my mom to run an errand. My grandma was in the store, along with my then 20-year-old sister who began teasing me with the witch broom. She's going to get you and eat you up, Chanel, she said tauntingly. Mama, make Keisha stop. She's being mean to me, I cried. Now, there were already incidents where my sister teased me with it before with the broom while I was in the car. This annoyed my mother to the point that she got out of the car, opened the trunk, and took the broom out of my sister's hand. She threw it out of the car and slammed the trunk door. Wipe your tears away, baby. Mommy made everything better, she said in a calm voice. When my grandma came out of the shop, it got dark very quickly and there was lightning outside. We rushed to get my grandma home, but didn't have to go far because we all lived on the same street. Our house was on a corner, but grandma and grandpa's house was further down on a dead end. Before we turned the corner toward the direction of my grandma's house, I noticed something was on the second door of the house, the screen door 
but I couldn't tell what it was, and I could not remember if my mom had hung up some decoration before we left that day. I just shrugged it off. I said goodbye to my grandma and we waved hi to grandpa. We turned back to go straight home and the wind picked up abruptly. We got out of the car and we had confused looks on our faces as we climbed the steps and got closer to that door. We couldn't believe our eyes when we got up to it. On the wooden door behind the screen was the witch's broom hanging perfectly on the wooden door. I was so scared that I almost soiled myself. We had that broom until we moved, after we had a garage sale when I was 14. I'm 31 now and I still have strange and paranormal things happen to me almost every day. But because it's happened to me so much, I'm no longer scared now. But back in the day before all of this happened, when I first saw that witch broom hanging there when I knew we had thrown it out, I was more scared than I have ever been. And number five, Shoe Carnival of Souls, submitted by Wayward Wanderer. I work at the only shoe carnival here in Adrian, Michigan. The store itself is just over a year old, built and finished in 2015. Everything in the building is new and should be working properly, yet bizarre things have been happening since day one. The registers will beep as if something has been scanned, even when no one is standing behind the counter. The fire alarm was repeatedly going off with false alarms despite being a brand new system. The cameras have blacked out and needed to be replaced, and the radio that plays music over the intercom has randomly gone out, only to start playing again on its own. As for me, I've personally seen a black shadow on the security monitor from the back office. The store was closed and there were only two of us left to take care of business at the end of the day. So I definitely did not see someone wearing a dark hoodie or anything like that walk by. But what makes the shadow more disturbing is the fact that after the shadow passed, three vertical rows of the socks in the wall were swaying back and forth like someone had brushed by them. A few weeks later, without saying a word to anyone else about the shadow, my manager claimed to have seen a shadow pass by the security monitor over the back door of the store. No one even uses the back door. Back to my personal experiences. I have also heard whispering while cleaning up the children's department, despite being alone on that floor. The overhead radio was off, and the small radios we used to communicate were locked up in the cabinet in front. The small radios are always left to charge overnight, and yet our radios will lose power for no reason, and we can hear staticky, unintelligible voices as well. I now know that my second manager has heard the unexplainable whispering as well while in the back office. In that same back office, while left alone for a few moments, I've heard frantic pounding on the walls and slamming doors that no one else has heard. Aside from the shadow pounding and whispers, I've seen something darting back and forth in the reflection of the mirror that shows the children's department to the front of the store. Again, it was closing time and there was no one in the store besides me and the manager, that's for sure. From time to time, items in the store will go missing, only to be found in unusual places. We've lost box cutters, display shoes, and pricing guns, only to find them again stuffed behind boxes or on top of the shelves beyond anyone's reach without the use of a ladder. Just recently, another employee had heard a hissing sound in the back office, and just a few moments later, a manager heard something hissing in the stock room. The city of Adrian was built on former Indian battlegrounds. The culture here is still rich. So if I have to work in this store this coming Halloween, I plan on using a Ouija board to get some answers. I just hope the answers are worth seeking. I think we all know how dangerous Ouija boards can be. If you've made it this far, you've survived the first round of this Halloween special. To complete the challenge, click one of these videos or click a link in the description. 
And don't forget to let me know in the comments how far you got before you had to give up. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And be sure to send us your true sea monster encounters or other true scary stories at darknessprevails.org submit. Thanks, and happy Halloween.